Well, good morning once again. I am very excited this morning because I get a day off from pulpit ministry. Uh, that's not why I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited because Dr. Brian Pate is with us this morning uh, with his wife Krista and their two young boys, Caleb and Josiah. Uh, the Pates have been traveling across the continent of North America raising support for their upcoming mission to Brazil, and this is their only Canadian stop. So we feel pretty privileged to have you here today with us. Um, I first met Brian, uh, oh, four years ago, 2014, when both of us were entering into doctoral studies at Southern Seminary. And uh, very importantly, I credit Brian with introducing me to the Qdoba chain of Mexican restaurants down in, in the United States. And now whenever I'm stateside, I look for a Qdoba, so thanks for that, Brian. But more seriously, uh, Brian is a man who has encouraged and challenged me to be a better student of the Word of God and to be a better father and husband. And uh, I just counted a great privilege to call you a friend, Brian. Would you come forward? And I'd like to pray for you before you open the Word to us. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I give you thanks for Brian, for uh, all that you have done in his life to bring him here to this platform this morning uh, to open the word to us, to bless and encourage and minister to us. I pray that you would give him anointing on his mind and his heart and his lips as he speaks to us, and may you be glorified and exalted in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, it is a great privilege to be with you today, and, and I do want to just say, you know this, but you have a great pastor, and I am so thankful for his friendship, and, um, and I know that he feeds you well, week after week, and uh, so it is just a joy to, to be able to preach to you this morning, and, and, and I do want to say thank you for your kind welcome to us in Canada. This is my first time here. And so I think Montreal is a super friendly city because you have welcomed us so well. So thank you for that. And uh, it is a joy to worship with you. What, what a great group of believers you have here. This, this has just been a joy this morning. And uh, to see so many backgrounds and races reflected here, gathered around the, the gospel, is awesome. You, you even have people from the country of Texas. So that's great. And this is wh that's where my wife and I have served for the last five years. I've been an associate pastor, a youth pastor in Tex Texas. And uh, so where I'm from, we say y'all. So howdy, y'all, from Texas. And, uh, and in my church, we have, I got to tell you, we have real cowboys, and I would get to go out and work with our deacons and our men, and we would process cattle. I was talking to our deacon of missions just a day or two ago, and he was out branding cattle. So that's our people. Those are the people that we got to serve in Texas, and we loved it. And I also want to say to the, to the youth, great job. Thank you so much for leading us. Yeah, give them a hand. Give them a hand. Great job. And... Um, 
And the guy who prayed did a great job. Thank you so much for reading scripture and praying. And the guy who gave announcements, uh, well done. Giving announcements is one of the hardest things to do in church, I think. And you did a great job and you kept our interest. So well done, guys. This is the, this is, I mean, you know this, a generation of leaders for this church and for this community. And so well done. It was just a joy. What we are doing is raising support so that we can go to Brazil and train pastors. God has prepared us for this uh, in large part because my wife grew up in Brazil. She was a missionary kid and lived in Sao Paulo for 23 years. I think I heard there might be some Brazilians here today. Is that true? If so, okay. If so, please go and speak Portuguese to my wife. She would love that. And um, I am, all I know how to do is say, tudo bom, tudo bem. That's about it. I don't know how to say anything. But that is going to be our first year uh, is focusing on me learning Portuguese when we get there and, uh, and getting settled in. We're going to work with a Brazilian pastor near Sao Paulo, uh, two hours north, and we're going to help him as he's revitalizing a church. I, I want to just learn from him and serve under him so that I can learn Brazilian church culture. Because I, I know American church culture. I want to understand what church is like in Brazil and learn the culture better there. And then our hope is to set up training sites uh, throughout the country so that pastors can come in and get trained. The, the Baptist Convention in Brazil has told us there are 10,000 pastors with no training. So, so Brent and I had the privilege of getting a doctorate together and we kind of take it for granted that our pastors have these resources and this training. And in much of the world, that is not the case. And so the Baptist Convention has invited our mission board, which is called Reaching and Teaching, and they've said, can you come help us train these 10,000 pastors? And so that is the work of a lifetime. And we hope to go down there and train pastors and train men who will train pastors. And this is, this is our heartbeat. That there, there are men who are working full-time jobs, raising their family, faithfully pastoring congregations of 50 to 100 people, and they, don't, they can't take a break and head off to seminary. So we want to bring a basic Bible college level training to them, and we want to show up and walk them through uh, basic training. There, there's so much more I could say about that, but I want to get to the word. If you are interested in following our ministry on email, we have a sign-up sheet on our table out here. Feel free to sign up, and we will send you monthly emails uh, just letting you know what we're doing. And please grab a prayer card. If my son hasn't given you a prayer card yet, please grab one on the table there. And just so you know, there is a piranha out there and some toys and some Brazilian candy. That, that is all to be played with. If your kid breaks a tooth off the piranha, that's okay. It's to be touched and to be played with, just, just so you know. So we are honored to be here. If you have any questions about us training pastors in Brazil, uh, you can ask us later. But right now, I do want us to turn our attention to the Word. And we're going to start in Habakkuk 2.14, which was read so well for us. And uh, if you worked hard to find it, I hope you held your finger there, because we're going to go back there. Habakkuk 2.14. And before we jump into this, I would like for us to pray again. Would you pray with me?
Father, we are so grateful to worship together here just as a foretaste of what the new heavens and new earth will be like with people from every tribe and every kindred and every tongue worshiping Jesus. And we look forward, God, to that day when we will get to gather with all of your people. So thank you for this foretaste of it here today on your day. And I pray that you would, that your spirit would empower me as I preach. I pray that you would open my mouth to say the words that you want to be said today. And I pray that you'd open all of our hearts so that we will hear what you have to say to us today. Father, I I pray that we would leave changed because of our time fellowshipping, worshiping, and hearing from you. I pray that we would, we would not leave the same. And we pray all this for God's glory, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So Habakkuk 2.14. I'm going to read this verse again. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You may have noticed that this verse is actually on our prayer card. And I'm going to walk around a lot, so we might want to turn this one off and just go straight up lapel. So you may have noticed this is on our, our prayer card. I love this verse. Am I going to need to, are we okay on the lapel? Okay. Let me know if I need to do anything different. I, I love this verse because it motivates us for what we are doing uh, in Brazil, where we are, we want to fill the earth with God's glory. And, and this, just to give us a little context in Habakkuk, this is a dark day. And up to this point, Habakkuk has been complaining. And he has been saying, Lord, why are the days so dark? Why is the world so against God's people? I think it's a day that we can resonate with. When we look out at our culture, whether it is in America or here in Montreal, and we say, this world is no friend of grace to help, to help us on to God, right? This, this, this world is against the people of God. And we can say like Habakkuk, why? Why is, why is the world so dark? And like it is today, God's people must live by faith. And so we see this. I think it's chapter 2, verse 4. The second half says, but the righteous shall live by his faith. This is the way it is. And, and we must have faith in God's promises and in God's presence. And this is one of those promises in verse 14. When we see that the day is dark and that the world is against us, when we struggle knowing how to be the people of God in a secular community, this verse is a promise that we have to have faith in. Verse 14, Habakkuk 2, 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So what's the gist of this verse? Well, basically what he's saying is, one day God's glory is going to fill the earth. How much? Well, how much of the water, how much of the sea is covered with water? Like All of it. So how much of the earth is going to be filled with God's glory? 
like all of it, right? So as much of the ocean is wet, that's how much God's glory is going to fill the earth one day. What a great day that's going to be. But, but it's not happening yet, is it? We see, I mean, this morning, I, I, I tried to get a real Canadian experience. So I grabbed some coffee at Tim Hortons. So I was trying to contextualize and connect, okay? But like, so I'm sitting in Tim Hortons looking out, and I, and I see homeless gentlemen walking by. And, and they're, they are sad, and my heart goes out to them. And I've worked in a rescue mission before, so I, I care for these guys. And, and that's not how God originally designed this world to be. With broken men looking for half-used cigarettes in the, in the gutter. That, that's not God's ideal plan for this world. He's not receiving the glory He deserves there. We have broken families. We have hurting parents. We've got disease and cancer, right? We've got, we may have marriages in this room where the unspoken thing between you is you know your marriage is one argument away from ending. I don't, I don't know. Pastor Brent has told me nothing about people in this church. But it may be that you come and you're like, our, our home is broken right now. We see this in our government, don't we? Whatever your government is, we see, we see a lack of integrity and a lack of character. We see brokenness and corruption. This is not how God designed the world to be, right? He designed the world so that every part of it would perfectly reflect Him and give Him glory. But it's not happening that way. It's, it's, it's broken. It's, it's messed up. It's, it's twisted. So we need to ask the question, what is God's goal? What is His, what is his mission? His goal and His mission is to fill the earth with His glory. He wants everyone to recognize and know how great He is, right? He wants the spotlight to be on Him and, how, and His majesty to just fill the earth. Now, is that narcissistic of Him? Is that proud of Him? Is that inappropriate for him to say, I want the whole, I want the Montreal area to be filled with my glory. Now, bro, can I pick on you? What, announcement dude, what's your name? I'm sorry? Nico. Nico, okay. So what if Nico, I'm going to pick on you. What if Nico was like, my goal is for Montreal to be filled with Nico's glory? That'd be weird, right? We'd be like, I, I think you need help, you know? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? You probably do anyway, but like because of that, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, so if we said that, that'd be disturbing, right? But when God says, I want the earth to be filled with my glory, is that okay? It is because, you're exactly right, church, because God deserves all the glory. He is the most glorious thing in all the earth, in all the universe. He, worthy are you, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and majesty. He, he deserves it all. So when he says, I want the earth to be filled with my glory, I want everyone to know how great I am, that is good and right and appropriate. If he were to give glory to anyone else, 
it would actually not be right. It would be idolatry on his part. So here's God. He deserves all the glory. He wants everyone to know how great he is. But, but it's not happening. This verse is not happening yet. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Well, how is this supposed to be happening? So what I'd like to do, and I know that probably normally what you all do is you take a paragraph or a chapter and you unpack that together. What I'm going to do is take this verse and try to walk through Scripture and show how God's plan is to make this happen. So I'm going to have you flip around a little bit. And first I'm going to have you turn to Genesis 1. So Genesis Genesis chapter 1. And Genesis chapter 1, this is where God shows how he wants to fill the earth with his glory. This is the plan. And so we see this beginning really in verse in verse 8. And God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So this is, this is God's original great commission that he gave to Adam, right? He said, I'm giving you a commission. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. Now, did that just mean have a lot of kids? It did mean that, right? Have a lot of kiddos. But then he also says, I don't want you to just have a bunch of kids. I want you to have a bunch of kids that will bring me glory. Because we're each, we're each made in the image of God, right? We are to reflect him and his glory in everything that we do. So what he wanted to do was he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with image bearers. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with a big family that will bring me glory. That's the plan. And so Adam and Eve, they got busy. They were fruitful and multiply. But do you know what happens? Right away, they've got two kids and one of them's a murderer. The world is broken. The world is broken and not giving him the glory it deserves. What goes wrong? Well, we see this right across the page where where Satan begins to tempt them at the tree. You know the story, but but notice like verse 5, Genesis 3 verse 5. Satan says, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. God, knowing good and evil. Do you know what's going on here? He's tempting them to steal some of the glory that belongs to God. And they become glory thieves. This is what happens. He says, don't you want a little taste of the glory? Don't you want a little of it for yourself? Don't you want to be like God? And all of it, and, and after that, this is true of everyone, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is what happens. We become glory thieves. We do this we do this every time we sin. We're taking a little bit of glory away from God and saying we want it for ourselves. We're saying when we sin, we're saying this thing that I'm choosing is more glorious than God. 
When, you, when, we, when we choose to sin, we say, I love this. This is better than Jesus. And we know that's not true, right? We know Jesus is better than everything. But when we sin, when we choose to respond with disrespect to our parents, we say, that is better than Jesus. When we choose to click on porn, we're saying porn is better than Jesus. When we choose to respond in anger at our kids, we're saying me getting my way is better than Jesus. When we sin, we say that is better than Jesus. And we take glory that belongs to Jesus. And we give it to ourselves or we give it to lesser things. Are you guys with me? I mean, this is, this is what makes the world broken because we've got so many people who are built to bring glory to God, but now we're running around like glory thieves, taking glory that was supposed to be for Him and taking it for ourselves, giving it to lesser things like anger and bitterness and porn. And, and we're, we're now taking glory that belongs... And this is why the world is so broken. This is why the world is broken. And so, so God has a plan... And his plan is that the earth will be, what, filled with his glory. And he says to Adam and Eve, so be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with people who will bring me glory. And then they produce kids that kill each other. And now everything is broken ever since then. But this is still God's plan. So I want you to turn over with me to Psalm 8. Psalm 8. We're going to see some things that are going to remind us of Genesis 1 here. Notice how he begins in verse 1 of Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the goal, right? The goal is that God's name will be majestic and glorious in all the earth. That his, that his name will fill the earth. This is the goal right here. And how is it going to happen? Well, it's going to happen through us. There's so much beautiful stuff here, but I'm going to skip down a little bit. And we're going to go to verse 5 because he's talking about man and the son of man. And in verse 5 he says, You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. And crowns him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the work, works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Does that sound familiar to you? That should sound like Genesis 1.28, right? This is what he told Adam to do. Be in charge of creation. Take care of the animals. And as we do this... His name will be majestic in all the earth. Look at the last verse in verse 9. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the plan. This is the plan for man to be fruitful and multiply and, and through our work to fill the earth with God's glory. We know that Adam blew it, right? Adam failed. And the sad news is, we do too. We don't do this well. We do our work for our own glory. 
so that we can get advanced, so that we can get the promotion, so that we can make more money, so that we will be esteemed and respected in the community. We do our work for our glory, right? We even raise kids for our own glory, don't we? Like, I just think of my son, he's five, and if he, if he acts up, I'm embarrassed because it reflects badly on me, and if he does great, then I'm like, I'm an awesome parent. Like, we, we do things for our own glory. We're glory thieves. We, Adam failed at this, and we fail at this. So, where's the hope? What, what's the answer to this? Well, the good news is, If Psalm 8 was the last passage we were going to look at, then I would leave you guys pretty discouraged, right? Well, we're pretty pretty terrible at this. Go home. That would be a very sad end of the sermon. But the good news is that I want you to turn to another passage. And I want you to turn. There's a passage. We look at Psalm 8 and we say, man, who is this about? Is this about us? Because we do really bad at this. There's a passage in Hebrews 2 that tells us who this is about. So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. The author of Hebrews, maybe he's been reading Psalm 8 in his devotions that morning, and he comes across this passage, Psalm 8, and he says, I know who this passage is about. Let's find out. So he begins... Let's let's jump into chapter 2, verse 6. I love how he starts. He says, it has been testified somewhere. I don't know, maybe he forgot the reference or something. But he says, it's been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Do you realize what he's quoting? He's quoting Psalm 8, right? And, And I've got a Bible that blocks it off. And I have Psalm 8 written next to it. If, if you've got a verse, a, a, a Bible that it's not obvious, you know, that he's quoting Psalm 8, maybe write that in the margin if you feel comfortable doing so. Because here he's quoting Psalm 8. Then, in the middle of verse 8, he says, Now, who are we talking about? In putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not see yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels. Who are we talking about? Namely, Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So he tells us, hey, did you just read Psalm 8 and did you get discouraged? Did it say, hey, through your work you need to be bringing glory to God and you realize I'm really terrible at this? There's good news. Because Jesus came and he is the man of Psalm 8. He is the Son of Man of Psalm 8. He comes and fulfills it perfectly. He is the answer. You, you know in Sunday school when they ask a question and you just raise your hand and you're like, Jesus, I don't know what we're talking about, but it's Jesus. Do you know what I'm talking about? This is the right answer here. Who's the answer in Psalm 8? It's Jesus. He's the answer. Because He comes and He, he succeeds in every point that Adam failed. He succeeded in every point where you failed. He always brought glory to the Father. Through His work, He always did what the Father wanted. He always showed proper respect to His parents. He never, they didn't have porn, but He never would look at another person to use them for His own gratification. 
He treated everyone with genuine love. He never wanted to get his own way and got angry about it. Right? Jesus was perfect. And so he comes and he shows us how to bring glory to the Father. But more than just showing it to us, he does it for us. He does it on our behalf. So when you come to Christ, when you believe, when you believe that you are a sinner and you want Jesus to forgive you for your sin, a great transaction happens, right? We know about this. We call it the great exchange. There's, it's the world's coolest trade. Because what he does is he says, I want to give you my righteousness. And I'm going to take your sin. What a glorious trade, right? That's the heart of the gospel. Because he comes and he says, you've been a glory thief. You've been, you've been contributing to the brokenness of this world. You have been sinning and wanting the glory for yourself. Now, I'm going to take all of that brokenness in your life and put it on myself. And in exchange, I'm going to give you all the times I did it perfectly. All the times I gave glory to God perfectly. That's now on your account. What a great trade. And so, so here, now, when you come to Christ and you believe this transaction happens and you stand before God, perfect. Now you stand in Christ. Isn't this great news, church? This, this is amazingly good news. And so, I just want to say, I don't know who's here, but if, if all of this sounds crazy to you, find somebody next to you or a pastor or a leader and ask them to explain this to you. If you say, I I do feel the brokenness in my heart and and I do feel the sin and I need to be forgiven, but but I don't know how to make this trade happen. If you feel like you're still trying to, well, I just am trying to clean up my own life and I'm trying to work and I'm trying to be good and it's hard work, but... Nobody ever handed me nothing, and I am going to work my way to heaven. If that's you, I want to encourage you today and say, Jesus says, stop working. Stop striving. Come to Jesus and receive the free gift of salvation. And if you'd like someone to say, okay, so how does this trade happen for me? Find somebody here. Find me. Find a friend that brought you. And say, I want this to happen for me today. Now, so this is what Jesus does on our behalf. He's the Savior who who saves us from our glory stealing and who saves us from our brokenness. Now, now what are we supposed to do? Well, through him, we get now to actually fill the earth with God's glory. Because I want you to turn to one other passage. And this is Matthew 28. And if you, you know that we're going to do missions in Brazil, and I'm turning to Matthew 28, you can probably guess what we're going to look at. Matthew 28, and I'm going, to, I'm going to begin reading in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, 
We're in Matthew 28, verse 18. Thank you for being patient and flipping with me to so many verses. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what does he say here? He says, Now... I've got a new great commission for you. Okay, you remember Adam's? Adam's great commission? It was be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with kids who are going to bring glory to God. And now Jesus says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Multiply disciples. Go into all nations. And I want you to turn people who are not following Jesus into followers of Jesus. I want you to turn them into disciples. And I want you, person by person, to get more people to bring glory to God. Because this is what happens. When you came to Christ, when you were converted, all of a sudden, you switched from a glory thief, now you switch to someone who lives your life, whether you eat or whether you drink, you do all to the glory of God. Now you live your life in a way that shines a spotlight on on God. I want to live in a way that makes him look good. And so now, now there's one more person that brings glory to God. Now you're going to go tell your friends and they get saved. And now they start bringing glory to God and person by person, heart by heart, the earth is filled with people who bring him glory. And so here here's the new great commission. Sounds like Adams. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with disciples. This, this is what we do. Now, how do we do it? How do we do it? Do you all need to go be missionaries in Brazil? Well, you're welcome to come. I would love to have you come and help me train pastors. Um, Nico, pack your bags, bro. We're coming. We're, we're going, okay? But I want... I, uh, do you have to be a missionary to make this happen? Let's review what we've talked about, right? God is all glorious. He wants the earth to be filled with his glory. This was the job he gave Adam. Fill the earth with people who bring glory to God. Adam messes up. Jesus fulfills this on our behalf, right? And now, because of our union with Christ, now we can do our part in filling the earth with God's glory. Do you have to be a missionary to do that? I hope that no one ever makes you feel like... You've got missionaries and pastors, and then there's normal people. I hope nobody ever makes you feel that way. I've heard people preach like that. Like, if you want to really surrender your life to Jesus, be a missionary. That's not, that's not the way it is. Here's how it is. God has gifted his people and put you strategically on the mission field where he wants you. And some of you guys are gifted Far beyond what I could ever imagine. I have met some of you, and I am amazed at the gifts and intelligence in this church. What a gift. And God has gifted you and put you in a specific area where I can't be. And he's given you an opportunity through your work and through your witness to bring glory to God. And it's going to look like this. You're going to do your work as unto the Lord. 
You're, you're going to do your work in a way that brings him glory. You're going to do it with integrity. You're going to do it with character. You're going to do things right. You're going to do things well. In fact, you're going to take this broken world and you're going to, you're going to restore order and beauty to this broken world in your sphere of influence. And, and you're also going to do it through your witness as you have friends that don't know Christ and you're going to share the gospel with them. And so you, through your work and through your witness, you're shining a spotlight on God. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like this. So like, when you're at school, I'm going to talk to teens for a second, since it's Youth Sunday, right? So you're gonna, teens, you're going to be at school and there's going to be some situation that comes up and, and all the teens are doing something. And you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to try to bring glory to God in this situation. I'm going to do the right thing. And your friends are going to be like, what just happened? Like, why in the world did you make that decision? And they're going to be like, that makes no sense. You're going to be like, I know. I know it makes no sense. But I'm a Christian, and I'm trying to live my life in a way that brings glory to God. And they're going to, they're going to, it's going to bring glory to God because they're going to look at you and say, there's no way you would have done that by yourself. Because that makes no sense. It must be God. God's the only reason why you would have done it that way. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. This goes for all of us. In your sphere of influence where God has put you, you're going to, you're going to show that he is the most valuable thing in your life. This means you don't snap at your kids. Because God is the best treasure in your life. Jesus is better. This means you don't click on porn because Jesus is better. This means you don't show disrespect for your parents because Jesus is better. And when we live this way, it just shines a spotlight on God and says, He is more worthy than anything else this world has to offer. And we live our lives in a way that bring Him glory. Now what happens is, I'd like, I'd like you to turn back to Habakkuk 2.14. What happens is, person by person, heart by heart, Montreal is filled with God's glory. Let's read Habakkuk 2.14 again. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Little by little, it begins to happen. Not perfectly, right? I don't know if Pastor Brent has told you about like already, not yet. I don't know if that's a phrase that makes sense to you. But there are some things that because of Jesus are already true, but not yet totally true, right? And so this is one of those things. Where is the earth going to be filled with God's glory? Yeah, it's already going to start happening through your work and through your witness. It's already going to start happening, but not yet totally. Because one day King Jesus is going to come back and he's going to make all things right. All the brokenness, the homeless gentleman digging for cigarette butts, he's going to make that right. All of the mental illness that we struggle with, probably in this room, right? He's going to make that right. Your children that were born with a mental disability and you've never known that child in their glorified mind and body, He's going to make that right. Your friends that are crippled with age and sickness, he's going to make all things new. Don't you want to, don't you can't just, you just can't wait for this day, can you? 
I'm looking forward to it. Broken families, broken hearts, broken communities, broken government systems. Jesus is going to come, and he's going to make all things right. When he shows up and makes this the new heavens and new earth, then he's going to say, guess what? The earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord like the waters cover the sea. He will make all things right. But that's the not yet, right? Not yet totally true. It's a promise, but it's not yet. And so in the already, we can make this happen little by little in your sphere of influence. This is why we're going to Brazil. We want to do our part, our little part, and train a pastor to serve his church more effectively, to know his Bible better, to know how to preach a little bit better, so that his people can be better witnesses and they can fill the community with the glory of God. We want God to look as great as he is. We want to do our part. So what's your part? Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it's going to look like if each of us this week, through our work and through our witness, said, I'm, I'm just... I don't have a huge platform, but I've got a sphere of influence. And I want to bring glory to God in my reactions, in my actions, and how I witness and how I do my school. I want to make God look majestic. Can you imagine what would happen as the ripple of effect of that hit our community? The earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Just a little bit more. And this is, I hope this is encouraging to y'all. This is what motivates us to go to Brazil. This is what motivates us. So let me pray for y'all, and then I'm going to hand it over to Pastor, Pastor Brandt. God, thank you for Habakkuk 2.14 and this promise. And thank you for Jesus, who fulfills all of this for us. There's no way we could have brought you glory enough to earn your favor. Thank you that Jesus did that on our behalf. And so now through his power, through his example, I pray that you would help us this week. So God, I pray, I pray for those who are going to be working this week and their jobs. Would you give them grace to shine a spotlight on you in all that they do? Would you give them courage when it gets awkward sharing about Jesus? God, I pray for students who are in college or in high school. God, would you give them grace in their families and in their homework and in their school to shine a spotlight on you? And I pray that they would get passionate about filling their school with your majesty and your greatness. Would you do something great there, God? And for those who are going to be, probably especially moms, who will be taking care of kids this week, would you help them to be encouraged with their part of raising up disciples and filling their home with your glory? God, would you give grace and courage to your people this week? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here is your benediction. And now I commend you to God, who is able to see you through all the situations that you will face this week. Open your life 
to the care and the companionship of Jesus. And may his blessing follow you, and may the Holy Spirit guide you. Amen.